Welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast, interdisciplinary conversations about new works in the broad world of business research. I'm your host, Andrew Jennings. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast or sharing with others who might like it too. And if you have ideas for future episodes, let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Our guest is Richard Crowley, Assistant Professor of Accounting at Singapore Management University. We'll be discussing his paper, Executive Tweets, which he co-authored with Wan Li Huang of Hong Kong Polytechnic University and Hai Lu of the University of Toronto. I'll have a link to the paper in the show notes. Richard, welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Richard, a few years ago, August 7, 2018, Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla, tweeted from his at Elon Musk Twitter account, am considering taking Tesla private at $420, funding secured. He followed up with another tweet saying, shareholders could either sell at 420 or hold shares and go private. By all accounts, this statement was false. In particular, Musk certainly had not secured funding to take Tesla private at $420 a share. As a result of this false tweet, there was a settlement agreement with the SEC where Musk was forced out of the chairmanship of the Tesla board. He was forced to pay a $20 million fine. Tesla had to pay a $20 million fine. New independent directors were appointed to the board. And perhaps most famously, Musk was required to have his tweets pre-reviewed by Tesla counsel before he tweeted. My question, is this typical of how CEOs and public companies are using Twitter today? If I'm a CEO or a public company, why would I want to tweet at all versus something more traditional, like putting out a press release, filing an 8K, or making my point during an analyst call or an investor meeting? Those are a couple of interesting questions. For instance, the Musk example, it's not really the standard way that you see executives using social media. I would say it's a fairly sensational example. But it was one that got a lot of people thinking about how executives use social media. So essentially, the example is a lot bigger news than you typically see from executive accounts. Also, the the fact that it led to SEC investigations, not the norm, right? It's the first time in many years since the SEC investigated a social media post. But it did make us think, hey, these tweets or these messages on social media do seem to have impact, right? The stock market reacted quite strongly to Elon Musk's tweet which showed that people seem to pay attention to it, and it probably matters. In fact, there was uh, even hundreds of news articles bringing this to the attention of more people that social media is making impacts on stock markets from the executive's side. As for why an executive would want to use social media instead of using a traditional approach, say, you know, press release, an 8K, conference call, there's actually quite a few reasons that have been discussed, some in the accounting literature, some in more of the uh, computer science literature. So a quick rundown of those. Some ideas are it could be coming from the same incentives that companies have, right? So the executive acts as a public face for the company. And so they may have the same incentives to disclose as the company itself, which means that maybe they want more dissemination of the news or they want faster dissemination of the news. There's evidence that companies do that in accounting already. We've got a paper on that as well. There's also some evidence that People trust people more than they trust corporations. This could be part of it as well. Uh, Even from a corporate disclosure perspective, if the company wants people to pay attention to the news, it's actually better to have the executive state the news. There's also some incentives, though, just from the sort of the person's own perspective. So for instance, there's this uh, Tobias and Stephen paper from 2013 
that shows that people just gain intrinsic utility from posting on social media. But there's also some reputational effects. And there's also some peer effects that have been documented, for instance, in that paper, Lin and Lu 2011. And so all these different factors are conflated in this context. Difficult to piece out why exactly the executives are on Twitter, but says there's a lot of reasons why they might want to be. There's also a couple points against this, though. So there's been, a, for instance, the Wall Street Journal ran a survey in 2012, and there's also a survey from Weber Shandwick. And these surveys essentially said executives often say social media takes up too much of their day. And so it's just not worth it because they don't have the time for it, or they don't see the value in it. I mean, this would be consistent with some of the earlier results around that time period, maybe only 3% of S&P 1500 executives were actually on Twitter, at least with a publicly available account. But that's been rapidly increasing over the past years. There's a literature already in place in the accounting and the computer science literatures and maybe other fields on this topic of corporate use of social media, of executive use of social media. And you've alluded to some of that and you talk more about that in the paper. I wonder if we could talk about your contribution to this literature. What research questions did you and your co-authors set out to answer? There's a quite a lot of papers in accounting at this point, looking at social media usage. That's because it's become actually a pretty big disclosure channel for companies. So there's a lot of research on the corporate side. There's not so much on the executive side. There's essentially one other paper, Chen Huang and Liu 2019, where they're looking at, say, earnings prediction and market liquidity as driven by executive tweets. But nobody's really looked at the main market impact of executives' tweets. So our agenda was twofold. The first step was to look at why are executives on Twitter, uh, just some descriptives there, as well as whether or not executives view Twitter as an important channel. What I mean by that is whether or not the executives who are on Twitter already view it as an important channel for corporate information dissemination. That part's a descriptive element of the paper. We're just looking at what they do and validating that this issue is important. And then our substantive research question boils down to two points. First is, does the market react to executives' tweets, and particularly their financial-related tweets, in addition to the stock market's reaction to firm tweets? Now, this distinction of in addition to firm tweets is important. It's already documented that firm tweets do matter for stock markets. And so if the executive is just releasing the same information, right, we want to say that it's not just that people are reacting to the firm, but the executive did the same thing around the same time. That wouldn't be so interesting. What we want to know is, do the investors care that the information came from the executives? That's point number one. Now, no surprise, since the paper is written, it does seem to matter. In fact, the, the results are quite strong. But that leads to our second research question, which is essentially just, why does the market care? And there's actually two theoretical mechanisms that are discussed in the past literature. One is what's called a trust mechanism. The other is a standard approach in accounting where you say, maybe there's new information that's being disclosed. And so essentially, we're contrasting these two different mechanisms to see which of them seems to be the primary mechanism that is causing the investors to react. I'd like to come back to those potential mechanisms in a moment. But before that, could we talk about how you constructed your study? You and your co-authors assembled a very large original data set. So could you maybe talk about how you went about your research design? What sort of data did you assemble? And how did that allow you to proceed on answering some of these research questions? So I'm a bit of a methodology guy, so I always like talking about this stuff. Our data collection was quite large, as you mentioned, right? We did start with some initial constraint. We said we're going to stick to S&P 1500 companies because some other databases we have are restricted to that, and it would be what would be left after we match that database anyway. But conditional on looking at only companies in the S&P 1500, that meant that we had about 
2,200 firms and around 8,200 executives to see if they're on Twitter or not. That's quite a lot of individuals. So this involved a lot of hand collection. We had to go and find essentially the accounts for everybody who's there. Now, we thankfully had some good research assistance from... I want to say four PhD students, one master's student, and five undergrads. Uh, so a lot of people helping us out. At the end of the day, we found 1,635 firm accounts and 621 executive accounts. After that, we of course have to get all the tweets because we're actually going to look at the content that's being discussed. So we don't just need to know, are they there? But also, what are they talking about? To do that, we use Twitter's API, which is quite nice. And we're able to pull about 228,000 tweets by executives and 44 or so million tweets by the firms. And then after that, we have sort of a lot of empirical approaches we need to implement. Let's go over a high level over that. But the empirical sketch is going to be two parts. The first part is a descriptive stuff. We want to look at, say, what caused executives to join Twitter? You know, why did they join at a certain point in time? And that'll be essentially just looking at when they joined versus some determinant variables. And we also do some validation work, right? which is essentially, are the executives tweeting around events that are important to the firm? Our main test is going to be looking at market outcomes as it reflects on Twitter content, which means this is where the content part's going to come in. So we are going to essentially classify content into financial-related content, other business-related content that's not financial in nature, and other non-business stuff. Like, for instance, an executive says, oh, I'm going for a skiing trip, right? That's not business content. And then for our trust versus information part, we're going to have to also look at similarity measure between the executive and the firm, because we're going to want to try and find such executive tweets that don't have information content to see if those still matter. To do all this stuff, we're actually going to use a couple different machine learning approaches. For the content, we'll use something called Twitter LDA, which is by Zhao et al. 2011. Actually, one of my colleagues here at Singapore Management University helping out with that. And for that, we're just going to apply it. It'll sort of use an unsupervised learning approach to pick out what sort of contents of these messages. And then we'll find that essentially out of the 60 different types of content it finds, one type is financial. There's 17 different types of business content and then 42 types of other types of content. And then in terms of looking at the trust versus new information part, we're going to use something called Universal Sentence Encoder by Sir et al. 2018, which is going to help us to map the content more precisely between the executive and the firm. What I mean is if they talk about earnings versus the firm talks about earnings, right? it'll get a higher score than if it's earnings versus, say, revenue. So it'll us nicely and cleanly match that. Last little bit in terms of methodology is we also spent a lot of effort on trying to develop clean empirics that sort of map to the distributions as they should be. So we do things like we do a test on counts. We're going to use something called Poisson pseudo-maximum likelihood regression, which will allow us to essentially control for high-dimensional fixed effects while also getting a proper Poisson regression for that. And we also do a lot of validation work. So for instance, even the Twitter LDA measure I mentioned before, we actually have a, a validation test that's also included in the paper. You assembled this massive data set of tens of millions of tweets, reviewed them using machine learning technology, and I think Google also provided some tools that you used in that process. That was an interesting methodological piece of your study. I wonder if you could talk about your key findings. What did you find? Do markets respond to executive tweets or company tweets? And are there any differences in the responses between the executive level tweet and the corporate channel? Uh, I'll start with a bit on just the descriptive, you know, who's on Twitter, then move into the stock market part. Our study examines uh, from 2011 through 2018. Uh, starting in 2011, only about 3% of executives were on Twitter. But by 2018, this is up to 12%. In fact, for some industries, particularly IT, it's actually around 25% of all executives are on Twitter with essentially public-facing accounts. Now, these executives themselves skew younger. They skew more female, more extroverted as well. So we have some machine learning-based personality detection that we also use. 
Those are the, the executive characteristics. There's also some firm characteristics that matter here in particular. Uh, higher risk firms as, in terms of litigation risk tend to have their executives on Twitter. And also those in the IT industry are more likely to be there. Now, in terms of the market reaction, we find somewhat unsurprisingly that the market does respond to firms, right? This is already somewhat documented in the literature, but we also find the response to executive tweets as well. On both sides, this response is driven by financial disclosure. So I mentioned before that there are 60 different types of information that our machine learning model found. And the financial part drives all the reaction to the stock market. So when you talk about products and whatnot, that doesn't really drive a appreciable amount of reaction. But for instance, when an executive talks about financial information on Twitter, the stock price moves by about 0.2 to 0.3% per tweet on that day. For firms, the reaction is a little bit smaller. So it ranges from 0 to 0.2% depending on the situation. So essentially, the executive's tweets drive a larger reaction than the firm's tweets. So that's one big difference right off the bat, that the executive tweets actually lead to stronger reaction. Now, in aggregate, this means the executives drive about 22% of the total reaction to Twitter. This is because, of course, there are more firms on Twitter, and firms also tweet a lot more. But still, the executives are driving over 20% of the reaction to Twitter, which I think is quite non-trivial. It means it's definitely something that we should be paying attention to. For the second step, right, as in terms of why this matters, right, I mentioned that we look at this trust versus new information type test. And for that, we're simply going to pin down to the tweets that have seemingly little information, right? This is where that similarity measure comes in. And our argument is simply that if the tweets don't have new information from the executive, right? So in other words, if the firm in the past two days already posted this information, and then the executive tweets it, and the market still reacts, it can't be due to new information because there's no new information. So it's much more likely to be a trust story. When we go through this regression, we do find, in fact, that these tweets are by far the strongest reaction that you see. In fact, a, a tweet like that can drive something upwards of 3% change in stock return. That being said, we also look at a case where the firm has been silent. And so this is a case where the executive tweet has to be new information. In that context, there is also a reaction, but it is markedly lower. It's about 1% as opposed to 3%. Essentially, what we find is there's a mixed equilibrium here. The trust is a bigger factor, but there is some aspect of new information driving it, which sort of harkens back to your Elon Musk example, or there, that was new information. It drove market return. It sounds like between these two mechanisms, or your findings are most consistent with a trust mechanism. Could you talk a little bit about why that might be? Why would investors place more trust in information from at Elon Musk than at Tesla? Presumably, the CEO is in control of the information that the firm puts out. And so there shouldn't be a lot of daylight between at Elon Musk and at Tesla. But it seems like your findings suggest otherwise. Why might that be? That's a great question. And we have to go back to psychology theory for this. And there's, uh, in fact, one paper in accounting that bridges this gap as well. Essentially, there's this theory in psychology called social identity theory. The gist of this theory is that feeling like you belong to the same group or that you have a social bond with some individual will lead you to become more trusting of that individual. And a social media platform like Twitter sort of subverts this mechanism by letting the information be passed directly from that individual, like Elon Musk or any other CEO, directly. And so when you see this message it's just in your feed, Elon Musk said this, you feel like it's a message from him to you. Because of that, you're essentially going to say, hey, I have some sort of social connection to this person. And so subconsciously, you are going to trust this information more. In experimental studies, they've tested whether or not this effect also remains when it's a corporate entity. And the answer is it's much less if it's a corporation than if it's an individual. And so essentially, just the fact that it's a person like a CEO telling you this information means you actually just subconsciously trust this information more because you feel like you have that social bond. 
Do you see any potential policy implications for your findings here, be it internal corporate policies or regulatory policies? How should folks in the corporate environment, in the regulatory environment, in the market take in some of these findings? Another good question. From an internal corporate policy, I would say we do have some implications here, in particular that if you're part of, say, an IR team, you may want to consider what role your executives are playing, not what role they're just playing in their traditional channels like press releases or conference calls or any sort of TV spots, etc. But you also want to consider what role your executive does play in social media because the executives do have quite a bit of influence. From a regulatory perspective, our paper does make clear that this is something that matters. And I don't think this is something the SEC is not aware of. The SEC already has policies dating back to 2013 explicitly about executive social media usage. But from an academic standpoint, the SEC is correct in saying that these should matter. I would like to note we don't document any negative effect of executive social media use, right? So we're not saying that this is something that people shouldn't want to look at or something that regulators need to crack down on, just something that is used by the market. It's part of the equilibrium in which people gather information. And so as far as regulatory watchdogs want to understand how people gather information for markets, this is part of that. And we need to be aware of that. What key takeaways would you like listeners to take from this interview and from the paper? And are there any open questions that you and your co-authors hope to maybe tackle in the future? The one key takeaway is that executive tweets do play a significant role in the way in which information is impounded in stock markets. I know we have a lot of different types of information that flow into stock markets, but this is indeed one and it has a non-trivial impact. And essentially, when the executives are tweeting, they are moving the market in a 0.2 or 0.3% change in stock price isn't really trivial. And so if just one tweet can change stock price by 0.2% and some of these companies are hundreds of billions or trillions of dollars, that's a fairly large dollar value impact. In terms of open questions or where we need more research, I'd say we do need more research to understand what the nature of executive social media usage is. Our paper doesn't really dive into why the executives are tweeting at the point that they tweet. We simply say the executive did tweet. We do look at it in relation to events. But we don't look at it in terms of, say, the incentives or any sort of strategic approaches executives could be taking. We don't take a look at, say, how corporations could be strategically using their executives to disclose information as well. And so I think this is something that we do want to understand. And this also goes to the regulatory point, which is if it's a strategic or self-serving mechanism, that's something then where we'd say that maybe we need more overview on how this is being used. But if it's not strategic or if it's not self-serving, then it's probably quite okay. But that's why I said before that we don't document negative effects. It's in large part because we haven't looked for negative effects in the study. We simply want to establish that this is an important information mechanism. That all boils down to what conditions under which this will either help or hurt market efficiency. If it just helps market efficiency, that's great. And if social media is being used to manipulate investors and make markets less efficient, then that's not so great. But we can't speak that at the moment, so it'd be great if a future research can look at that. Our guest has been Richard Crowley, Assistant Professor of Accounting at Singapore Management University. We've discussed his paper, Executive Tweets, which he co-authored with Wan Li Huang of Hong Kong Polytechnic University and Hai Lu of the University of Toronto. I'll add a link to the paper in the show notes. Richard, thank you for joining the Business Scholarship Podcast. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Scholarship Podcast. If you like what you heard, 
please consider subscribing to the podcast or leaving a rating on your favorite podcast app, or let other people know about it too. If you have suggestions for future episodes, please let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Until the next time, I'm your host, Andrew Jennings.